All right, welcome back to another episode of the Goalpost. And not just any episode, this is our Super Bowl special. We got Super Bowl 57 this Sunday in Arizona. Media's been in a frenzy all week, and there's nothing but pure anticipation in the air. This is what we do it for. It's the big one, Patrick. It's been a long journey, Damien, but we have arrived. The light at the end of the tunnel, some might say. The big one, the Super Bowl. I'm I can't wait. I think we'll we'll get into it a little bit later, but there's just so many storylines going on. Such a great game. I just think this is one of the better Super Bowl matchups, I think, for everything kind of that we've had in recent years. And I, I just can't wait, really. Yeah, the more I dig into it, the more I love it. I think that this is like a very ideal matchup a very ideal setting even it's great when it's in a warm setting like this they've been doing that a lot recently it makes sense but we're gonna try and get you ready for your parties on sunday so you know what you're talking about or you at least sound like you know what you're talking about uh and we're gonna have some fun later on in the episode including the return of goalpost picks we're gonna be putting our picks on the line again and this is gonna be the finale of our goalpost picks so we're gonna be continuing the records from throughout the season and whoever has the best record after this Sunday is declared the winner, but we'll get more into that later. First, we're going to try and go over some of the biggest storylines heading into Eagles versus Chiefs. There's a million going around in the air, um, but we're just going to try and kind of hone it down to a few here that everybody's really got their eyes on. And we'll start off with Andy Reid and Nick Sirianni. Each face their old teams. Uh, obviously, a bigger storyline for Andy Reid, who had become synonymous with Philly during his time there. Spent his first 14 years as a head coach in Philly with the Eagles. And there's just a million accolades you could really list there. But this is a big one for Reid. Huge game. Revenge game for both coaches, like you mentioned. Some might not know the Nick Sirianni revenge game factor, but it's there. And like you said, Andy Reid, 14 years with the Eagles as a head coach. If he wins this one, you know, like I think a lot of people are going to kind of start remembering him as a Chiefs head coach rather than an Eagles head coach, even though so far he spent more time with the Eagles. But I mean, he hasn't won any of the big ones with the Eagles. And if he finds a way to get this one, he'll have two big ones with the Chiefs. And I think, he, you know, he'll be remembered by our generation, at least as the as a Chiefs head coach. But the Eagles have to be mentioned. And for Sir- Sirianni. He, he got his start with the Chiefs. I mean, I, I'm sure he has a, like a bit of a soft spot for them because, you know, he they were there his entry into the league. He was his it was his first gig as an NFL offensive control coach in 2010. And he was there for the, uh, shall we say, the bad years of the Chiefs. The Alex uh, Smith he was years. on the staffs that kind of led to the hiring of Andy Reid in 2013 uh he his other roles included assistant quarterbacks coach uh and a wide receivers coach as well until he was relieved of his duties in 2013 so when Sirianni might be reed fired was up. hired as head coach too so when reed took yeah. over the reins in the chiefs there he kind of got rid of sirianni listen we've talked about sirianni before how we feel about him um but genuinely i think the chiefs do have a significant coaching edge here with reed uh, it goes back to even the general perception of each of what we talked about. Reed is kind of what you think about of being a successful football coach. No frills, no bullshit, just a steady kind of unwavering guy. And you can't really say the same for Sirianni. That's obviously not um, speculating on their ability to coach either of these teams. But I think the proof's kind of in the pudding here. Uh, Reed's done the more impressive coaching job this year, given the injuries to the Chiefs' talents, losing Tyreek Hill over the offseason. There's been a lot coming the Chiefs' way this year that they've been able to get out of really with good game plans and good um, offensive coaching. And with Nick Sirianni, you just really don't know because the Eagles don't have a great win. You don't know if he's ever really been the difference yet this year. Yeah, you mentioned it. You touched on it earlier. Two very different coaching styles between the two. Sirianni he's just so involved almost like a college head coach kind of high school head coach that you see he's just very involved he he lives and dies with the plays with his team he shows his emotion which I mean love it or hate it so far it's kind of worked for him in that fashion it hasn't come back to to bite him they've won and experience definitely is going to play a factor in this I mean Andy Reid he's been in this game before he's won he's won the Super Bowl before 
Sirianni, this, you know, this, this, this is a big moment for him. I, I mean, it's a huge accolade in his early coaching career. And I mean, while I'm sure he's happy that he's there, I'm sure he's not satisfied with just getting there. So he's going to be looking to, you know, make a statement to uh, possible against a possible future Hall of Fame coach and Andy Reid. And he's this could be the start of one of, you know, maybe a future great head coach with Nick Sirianni getting his first. And you never know because it really got to go get that one. Other way. You got yeah. you, you to get one right to get, you know, Brady. He got one. Now he's got seven. So you always got to get your first. I mean, I'm not making some statement saying Nick Sirianni is going to be the next Belichick or Andy Reid or something like that. But who knows? Like we could see Nick Sirianni for the next 20 years coaching in this league. Yeah, it is really a league that's built for that, especially when you go around and you look at how many head coaches currently in the league have won Super Bowls. It's not like, you know, plenty pickings. So it kind of secures you that confidence over the next like hiring process, wherever you go that you've won one before. And I think it also just gives you that edge and experience the next time around. You saw that with kind of Doug Peterson, what he just did after leaving the Eagles and going to Jacksonville kind of just gives you that benefit of the doubt, really. But coaching is obviously something people are going to be keeping an eye on. I'm really looking out for if Philly kind of if they dip into kind of, you know, the, the goofing around, like try and get really cute with it. It's kind of what I'm expecting with what you just talked about. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you think we're going to see the same Sirianni shenanigans on the biggest stage in, in I really football? don't Maybe know. in the world, really. Like, you know, because it has kind of gone a little bit under the radar. Like, no one really talks about it, but he is definitely one of the more, if not the most animated head coach in the NFL right now. And, I mean, it could be a wake-up call for some people who are on the East Coast. They haven't watched a ton of the Eagles this year, and they, they're seeing this guy, like, He'll celebrate in the end. He's not afraid to celebrate in the end zone with his team. He'll yell at fans. Like he's very animated, which I mean, some love it, some hate it. I'm on the dislike it uh, side of the argument, but I mean, it it just works. And I think him being the head coach of Philadelphia too, it does kind of play a little bit into the Philly scumbag kind of tradition that they've built there. Right. So so far it works, but I mean, I just wonder if he's going to bring the same kind of I don't know. It's just shenan- it To me, they look like shenanigans. So I'm just well, wondering if he's going to bring it to the biggest stage. Well, the question is, people love to make storylines purely out of the Super Bowl, even in game. So if you're seeing the other side of Sirianni, who when things are going bad, like if he's the same animate, like screaming at refs, you know, kind of in the end zone or getting into that side of things, people will jump on that so fast, regardless of how the Eagles are playing. But you have to figure that in a game with so much pressure, your players could be kind of walking on eggshells a bit too. So you don't want that either. He, if I'm Nick Sirianni, which I'm not, I, I'm, 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 I'm staying focused because this is the biggest stage and your team's going to be emotional. Like no matter how you, how you think, you know, professional yeah. athletes, whatever, they're going to be emotional. It's a big stage. So he kind of needs to, you know, keep them between the lines a bit, but who knows? I'm not a head coach, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah. That brings us to our next storyline. You've heard it a zillion times from the media already, but we'd be remiss not to mention it. The Kelsey Bowl, Eagle Center, Jason Kelsey, Chiefs tight end, Travis Kelsey. Everybody knows them, but they're going to be the first brothers in NFL history to play against each other in the Super Bowl. And keyword is against because It's not going to be the first brothers to play in the big game together. We had the twins, Jason and Devin McCourty, were the first brothers to appear in the Super Bowl together on the same team. That was Pats against Rams in Super Bowl 53, not that long ago, which I feel like they're not getting talked about a ton. Yeah, I I would have thought they would have played in multiple Super Bowls together. So I was kind of like, I was like, oh, wow, that, you know, that happened when we were in university. So that's just really not a long time ago. And to me, I'm kind of surprised that they, these are the first pair of brothers to actually face off. So that's why I think that is, you know, it's not the most fun and it is kind of overplayed a little bit of a storyline, but it is definitely a storyline and people do need to talk about it. I mean, it's it, got to be, be a better if it's more fun that if they were on different sides of the ball like that. Uh, that's what I was going to say. It, yeah. It'd be more fun if they're, you know, going at it, you know, one's a wide receiver, one's a corner and they're matched up or like they're matched up on the offensive line. But it, in a, another way, it's almost better that they're kind of, 
you know, away from each other and they kind of get to watch and, you know, you get to admire your brother a little bit if you want to get into the sentiment side of it. But it's it's a storyline. It's, it's fun. You know, yeah, I'm it's really fun that, just uh, because of Travis Kelsey, right? Like you're already watching Travis Kelsey with a bigger microscope than almost anybody else on the field in this game because he's so much fun to watch and everything kind of runs through him on this Chiefs offense. And with that added kind of significance, I just hope they don't cut to the parents a thousand times on the broadcast. We'll get a fuse fine, fuse fine after the game, of course, but I I just don't want to see them all game. And I don't think they want that either. What uh, What's your prediction for attire for the Kelsey parents? The half and half and they have the opposite the jerseys? half jerseys? Yeah. Yeah, it has, you to, know be. I mean? has to be something the real half. thought out. If they've been thinking and like having this much press for this long leading up to it, it's going to be a thought out outfit. You know, maybe one has an Eagles hat, the other has a Chiefs hat. And then you get the one is the Jason Kelsey on the front with Travis on the back. Then the other's got the Travis on the front with Jason on the back. It's I'm excited for that. It's but like you easy. said, just just don't give me it all game you know find yeah. other celebrities or something in the crowd give me something else to look at i get early we're gonna get a lot of that you know if kelsey scores a touch uh travis scores a touchdown definitely that's a good shot to put up but don't overplay what's already been overplayed yeah i think that's how most people including them uh if you've listened to any of their podcasts that's kind of how they feel about it too and i think these are just two football dudes who really are focused and locked in on this game they're both such key pieces to each offense everything kind of runs through jason literally on the eagles offense and figuratively uh for travis on the chiefs offense so it's something that everybody's going to be watching and it's something cool that you know you don't always see but on to the next storyline we have health and safeties uh uh but health is going to be bad. a big storyline at this Super Bowl. It's obviously led by Patrick Mahomes' ankle at the forefront here. Might be the most talked about ankle in the world currently. But he had a couple quotes from the press conferences recently. He said, I'm in a better spot. I'm definitely moving around better than I was last week or two weeks ago. But he's also hesitant to put any kind of number on it until he gets out on the field. He says, we'll see on game day how close to 100% I can be. But that's got to be a good sign if you're a Chiefs fan. And I feel like if he's already moving around better than he was two weeks ago, which was surprisingly mobile for him in that game, then I think this is going to quickly kind of become a non-story. Yeah, and you you mentioned it. He's saying he's moving around better than he was in the AFC Championship, which I kind of find surprising, honestly. Uh, I thought it'd be very similar, if not maybe worse, because high ankle sprain is just one of those injuries that it just, I've never had it, but I've spoken to multiple people who have, and they just say it just kind of lingers, man. Like, it doesn't really go away. Some will, some will even tell you they'd rather a fracture or a clean break because it heals, the healing process is better. But the one bright side to Mahomes is you're clearly able to function on a high ankle sprain a little bit more than you would those other injuries that we mentioned. So it, it's huge for the Chiefs, really, that he's saying that he's moving around. He's he's feeling better than he was last week or two weeks ago. Maybe we'll see more Mahomes magic, maybe a little more rolling out of the pocket, extending plays than we did against Cincinnati, where he was he was pretty much stuck in the pocket. I mean, obviously, we know. He ran for the first down and got the rough in the late hit penalty, which pretty much won the Chiefs the game. But I mean, you know, Mahomes is going to just give it everything he has and then just deal with the rest in the offseason, which I'm sure a surgery is imminent. Yeah. And I think that there's a little bit of the aspect of he could be playing coy a bit on that last part of the statement. We're seeing, you know, we'll see how close I am to 100%, because part of me wonders how the Eagles are even game planning for this. You have to be prepared for everything. Obviously it's a Super Bowl. You don't rule anything out, but it's got to be tough to prepare for a quarterback who's known to be great at moving around out of the pocket and getting creative, but has recently been injured. It's kind of just a Jack in the box for them. So it's something that the chiefs kind of have up their sleeve almost. That's assuming that Mahomes can operate, you know, like he can in the past, or if it is, truly better than before but they also got the news that Mecole Hardman is likely going to be out for the game he was on the IR 
after going out last week. But luckily, Jarius Sneed told reporters that he had cleared concussion protocol and should be good to go. And that's the same for Kadarius Tony. You said he's definitely playing in the Super Bowl despite his ankle injury against the Bengals. And you know, injuries and how they perform are always a storyline in the Super Bowl. But for a banged up Chiefs team throughout the year, this is big to get Sneed and Tony back. Those are two weapons. Yeah, that it that kind of has been the entire storyline about the Chiefs, really. Even well, no, last week it was or sorry, last game it was more Mahomes pregame, and then at the end of the game it was just all about the wide receivers. You mentioned yeah. Hardman, who's been ruled out, unfortunately, for the Chiefs. And Kadarius Tony, who is going, uh, similar injury, I guess, to Mahomes. I mean, it's an ankle. We don't really know. I don't know exactly what the ankle injury is. I've just, I've just seen ankle injuries so far. Uh, so it's huge for the Chiefs to get him uh, going. I think he, he might be the number one wide receiver for them since. I mean, it's him or Juju, really, because Hardman's been out for pretty much the entire second half of the season, but. It's it's just going to be interesting to see if this Chiefs offense uh, with Mahomes and Tony and the rest and Kelsey, if they're, you know, even 80% or better health wise, like you got to feel pretty good about where the Chiefs are at because that has been a huge storyline. And I feel like a lot of people who are picking the Eagles to win are kind of picking that because of the injuries to the Chiefs. So right. if we're starting to see some clarity with the injury situation with Kansas City, and aside from Hardman, it does appear to be pretty good news for them. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely beneficial for the break, almost more than any Super Bowl team I can remember in recent history having the two-week break. This seems pretty huge for the Chiefs. And you're right, I think a lot of storylines for Eagles supporters or Eagles betters, whatever you want to call them, are kind of coming from a place of injury because if the Chiefs aren't injured going into this game, they're not underdogs in that sense at all, right? Like everyone's going to be favored, I would say. If if no injuries, uh, Chiefs. Everyone's going into this thinking you have to take down the Chiefs, not the other way around, right? So the goalposts have definitely changed kind of over the past couple of weeks there and it's definitely not something you want to kind of overlook Kansas City for because they'll burn you and I think that ultimately it's going to come down to our next storyline which is going to be the battle on the line of scrimmage I think it's fair to say this is a Super Bowl that's going to be decided in the trenches Patrick the trenches where where wars are won, Damien. I mean, we have a great matchup on the one side, maybe a little bit of a soft spot on the other side. I think the the Eagles arguably have the best offensive line in the league this year. Some are calling it, you know, a historic offensive line. They are great. I mean, Lane, John- Lane Johnson. I I may have been put in my place. A little bit, actually, with uh, calling him out on false starts. I do think he had to have had at least one in all of those. But yes, you are allowed to move your trail foot backwards, not to the side. But if you're going directly backwards, you're you're good. If you time it correctly, which he has been. Hand, hand um, up. Hand up. Hey, accountability. That's what we're not we're, afraid we're to admit here. our yeah. mistakes on this podcast. I'm not perfect. It is what it is. But yeah, like. Kelsey in the middle. I mean, Milada on the left. I mean, they're just Jalen Hurts with his mobility and his protection. I mean, it's no wonder why the Eagles are where they are. I mean, you could put kind of anyone back there and they're going to have time to make plays. Miles Sanders, I'm sure, is a huge fan of what this offensive line has done. But the Chiefs, their defensive line is not, you know, it's nothing to like laugh at. I, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, two veterans who have been getting it done a a long time. Carl Loftus, the rookie defensive end, he's been making plays. I mean, uh, the linebackers on the Chiefs, that's the matchup that I think is going to be pretty even. I think the Eagles defensive line against the Chiefs O-line is where there could be some soft spots. Yeah, it's really one of those matchups where it seems... 
super even along the line until you start seeing a few sacks, right? If they start feeling that pressure early, it's kind of the biggest thing that the Chiefs need to minimize is their impact, the Eagles' impact at the line of scrimmage. And on the other side, the Eagles do need to keep kind of, you know, Chris Jones away from Jalen Hurts, but they've been great at that all year. And the most impressive thing about this Eagles offensive line is that their entire starting offensive line including all three of their backups who dress were drafted by the team. This is a completely homegrown and developed squad. They've been together for a really long time and it just seems impenetrable a lot of the time. So that's really going to be where the work is cut out for Kansas city in terms of defense. They're really going to have to be able to break that, but oppositely on offense, you got to stop a D line that finished the regular season with 70 sacks, including 45 and a half from their line. So it's going to be a crazy matchup and it feels like it could be a coin toss or it just could be, you know, a running through. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you mentioned how dominant the Eagles defensive line and just their kind of front seven in general have been. And you have that and then you add on Mahomes maybe not being at 100% mobility with that ankle. Yeah. Could be a recipe for disaster. Not reps. Sorry. I'm not. I'm retract that. Chiefs might have to, you know, chip a little bit with the tight end, have the running backs around to block, you know, just get six guys uh, to block all these Eagles defenders, maybe doubles on uh, Hassan Reddick when he's coming up, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. It's just, this is where you would love, like, this is where you're very happy that Andy Reid is your head coach as a Chiefs fan because you know he's going to find ways to, you know, chip or something. Like, just to keep that Eagles defensive line on their toes and just not make it just an easy free-for-all game for them. Exactly. And that's where you really want your offensive schemes to be able to prepare for something like that. It hinges a lot on how Mahomes is feeling, but you have to find creative ways to be a D-line that's been so dominant because you can't just attack this game thinking that everything's going to be sweet, not that they're going to, but it's something that is going to be pretty telling pretty early too. I think in the first quarter, depending on how these lines play, it's going to become apparent who's really winning the battle at the line of scrimmage, and I think that also sets the pace for the rest of the game. Absolutely. And we've also mentioned it, you know, defense and run game is how these teams kind of found their way here in the playoffs and offensive lines are a huge part of both of that. And I mean, defensive lines also. So, I mean, it does sound, you know, very cliche, the war in the trenches, the battle in the trenches could decide this win. But I mean, these teams are very evenly matched. So sometimes you you do have to get a little cheesy with these storylines. I mean, it is what it is, but I do think it's something to keep an eye on throughout this game. Yeah, and we're going to double down really on the cheesy for our last storyline here. It's a legacy game. If the Chiefs win this Super Bowl, Mahomes would be the 13th quarterback in NFL history to win two of them, which sounds like a ridiculous stat. I think it's really inflated by certain people, obviously, like Brady. But it'll put him in a real rare club with no other current NFL quarterback now that Brady has retired. And despite being a starting quarterback for only five seasons, Mahomes would be, you know, getting up to those all time greats and could be, you know, 27 years old and have two Super Bowls and two MVPs. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It it feels very similar to Brady after he won his first, where it's just like, are we going to see this guy every single year in the Super yeah. Bowl or at least in an AFC championship, something like that? You mentioned the 13th quarterback to only win two Super Bowls. I I got one. I, I might be looking ahead just a little bit, just a little bit. But if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and he wins the Super Bowl MVP, yeah, he will be only the sixth quarterback to have well i guess player to have ever won two super bowls and two super bowl mvps the only ones that have done it the five that have done before him tom brady obviously with five um joe montana with three and then bart Starr, terry bradshaw and eli manning with two each so he's he's getting into that category where it's it's legacy we've mentioned that but just 
you know, first ballot Hall of Fame stuff. And yeah. it's we're just going to remember that if, if they win, if they win, and we're not saying they're they have won, but if they win that Reed Mahomes duo and even Kelsey, he'll get thrown in there, too. You're just going to remember that you're probably going to be telling your kids about it, stuff, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. that's the it's it's exciting. It's the it's sorry, the Montana to Rice connection. It's just yeah, it turns into a bit exciting. of myth over time, right? You look back and you're like, oh, they were just unstoppable. You couldn't beat them regardless of what you threw at them. And that's against that storyline that we talked about a few episodes ago of whether, you know, if they lose this, then the questions start happening because of how many AFC championships, how many Super Bowls they've been in. So it really is a legacy game, both sides of the ball there. It's weird. It's not only is it a legacy game, but it's kind of a prove it game too, because if they lose this one and, you know, something happens in the off season, you lose a couple more guys. I think we're going to be looking back on it as opposed to looking at, at them as a dynasty one of those what could have been yeah teams, what if you know? it just yeah yeah like what if they just won and well that's the big just... storyline for next season too is that how stacked the afc is still just getting so you know the rumors that green bay won't trade aaron Rodgers within the nfc and he's going to the afc it just seems like all roads are pointing to this becoming a much harder path in the future which means you got to get this one now while you're there yeah, you never know how many Super Bowls you're going to get to, even though it does kind of seem like this will not be the last we see Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You never know what will happen. So you have yeah. to make the most of your opportunities when you're when you're in these situations. So we'll see if he does. And if he does, I mean, a lot of the conversations about, you know, sorry, the you conversation will them. start yeah. yeah, about like, is he going to be Brady? I mean, is he going to be the next Peyton Manning? The yeah, you'll forget uh, all those other Montana, yeah, quick. Yeah. They're going other... to throw him into another conversation of quarterbacks exactly. if he gets this one. Exactly. Other than that, though, it would also kind of further cement Andy Reid as an all-time coach. He already is kind of on the trajectory to be a first ballot Hall of Fame head coach. But a second ring really gets you in that status of this entire sport, really, as a legend. And it would move his Super Bowl record to two and two. So you finish your career with two Super Bowls, a 50% clip at the at the big one. That's a pretty unreal career. Andy Reid hasn't shown any signs of uh, like slowing down slowing or that down, he wants no. kind of out. So, I mean, if he gets this one, like you said, gets to two and two as his record. I wonder if he, he would ride out on the sunset. Yeah. I don't think he's done this year. No. I think he's going to keep going. I mean, I don't have his age with me, but I know he's coached as he's been a head coach in the NFL for 24 years. This being his 24th. It's, uh, it's just so impressive. These, these coaches like, like a Reed, a Belichick, a Sean Payton, who is now returning to the league, a Harba, a Tomlin, just these guys that just, just longevity. They're able to adapt to new games and just, just continue winning ways and and like you just see it you know how the guys who are last are the good ones and the guys who aren't good i mean you're just you'll find your way out of the league so i mean Quick, we talked yeah. about it early in this with sirianni is he gonna you know is he gonna find a way to get into that conversation of you know the mcveighs the the younger coaches that have super bowls with them or is he you know is he gonna kind of flare out and it's gonna be a a, a similar kind of what if conversation in yeah. in the future. Yeah, something to keep your eye on as always. But that does it for our storylines. There's obviously a lot more that we could have dug into here, but it's nothing you wouldn't have already been, you know, pelted at you throughout the past week at Media Week and leading up to the Super Bowl. So next up, we're going to come back to you after a quick break with Build Your Own Super Bowl. All right, welcome back and welcome to Build Your Own Super Bowl. Something we were kicking around here for some fun. We're going to do three categories, draft style, back and forth. We're going to flip a coin to see who goes first. But the categories we're doing is going to be any stadium. It could be in North America. Any halftime performer who's alive can be an opener slash headliner duo. And then we're going to finish with our ideal team matchup. 
pretty straightforward here. I got a loony in my hand. Patrick, what do you want? Heads or tails? Tails. And it is tails. So you're going to go first here for a stadium. Okay, so I've kind of... I don't really know what... I flip-flopped a bit here too. I've been everywhere. I've been trying to take everything into account. The fact that it's in February. um, Just North America only. So I guess I'm going on a... I I don't know if this is outside the box or not, but here we go. I'm just going to shoot the pick. I'm going with Beaver Stadium or Happy Valley, whichever one you call it, where Penn State plays. Their capacity is 106,572. It might not be the most comfortable seating, but just that packed stadium. I don't mind the, the coldness factor. I don't mind seeing the breath come out of the helmets. I mean, it's, it's the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't want it snowing, but I want it a little cold, you know, football weather. And I just, I think that would just have such a fun feel to it at night. Just the, it would just, I don't know. It gets me excited. I, I'm not going to mention some of the others that I was thinking about because you haven't gone yet, but the end of the day, we'll talk about that after North American stadium, Beaver stadium in happy Valley, Pennsylvania. It's hard to take anything away from that pick. It's, on almost every top 10 list you look at for even stadiums in North America, not just in the States. It's one of those stadiums that's the whiteout games. It just looks great as a full stadium, as a completely packed stadium. And it's one of those things where we haven't seen cold weather in a while at the Super Bowl. So it would also be kind of a fun change of pace. I almost got worried because I thought you were going to take my pick with your intro, but I'm going to stay in college football. It's funny that we thought the same kind of, you know, ballpark, but I'm going to go to Tiger Stadium down at LSU. They extended Tiger Stadium back in 2012 to over 100,000. Right now it's at 102,000 capacity. It gets a bit more of that warmer climate without being an indoor stadium. I think I kicked around the big house a lot. I think that's where a lot of people's heads go, where they think big, big stadium. But you want to talk about a stadium that looks great when it's full. It's Death Valley at night, and it's a stadium that looks great full. It's got those high bleachers on both sides, which I really love. And I think that it would just create a great kind of wrap effect on this game. And, you know, it speaks for itself when you look at LSU games in the past, really. Yeah, very similar stadiums, the two of yeah. ours. I mean, the with the bleachers, just everything, how they look at night, big games. You think of these stadiums, your weather's probably a little more ideal for the for the time of the Super right. Bowl. But I kind of picked the cold weather on yeah. purpose. Like I, I wanted to see the breath and stuff like that, as I mentioned. But that that's a great pick. I, I like how we were thinking in the same where we just want people. Like I just want a lot of bodies and I want it to have a really big game feel, which both these stadiums have. Yeah, and I think people want to get back to kind of a football feeling. I feel like with how commercialized the Super Bowl has become, it feels like it's always, you know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta Stadium where you go around to all these Arizona, these big kind of commercialized stadiums that are indoors. SoFi have a lot of, you know, it just looks like kind of a bit too, a bit too futuristic for kind of the average football fan. I think that's something that people love about the gray cup in the CFL is that it's always these cold games in these kind of grittier stadiums that are still packed to the brim. And I think that's an environment that everybody loves. And I think it would be getting kind of back to, you know, gritty true football a bit to have stadiums with bleachers that, you know, people are watching from in the Super Bowl. Well, I was going to say the bleachers might add to the atmosphere because I think it'll encourage more people to kind of stand. You know, they'll stand, they'll be more into the game. They'll be focused where, you know, you're sitting down, you're on your phone, you're hanging out. It's just... Yeah, it's like an event. Like you said, those empties are kind of... Those stadiums are kind of soulless a little bit. There's not a lot of... I mean, maybe the New Orleans Superdome is maybe one of the other. I mean, Caesar Superdome, I believe they call it now. That's kind of one that has like that huge game feel to it for the indoor ones. But all the others, it feels like you're there every other year. Um, what what other uh, stadiums did you were you considering? I thought about 
Stadio. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to butcher this, but the one that they just played at in Mexico, in Mexico City, that I thought that had a real big game feel to it. It's a giant stadium. It's got that the altitude, you know, combination. If you really wanted to get crazy with a Super Bowl like that, and it's something that's just so outside of the box that it would be new. Yeah, I did not consider that one, but that's a pretty good one. You mentioned the big house. I the from what I've heard from the people who went to the Winter Classic uh, when the when it was held there with the Leafs and Red Wings, it just kind of it's not a great vibe, but great like historic seats. stadium. But I've heard it's just not the best, uh, you know, vibe Atmosphere. of the game. It doesn't get allowed. It's kind of the noise escapes a bit. Um, so I thought about you know Raymond James Stadium, the where it's hosted there a decent amount. But I just kind of thought it's been. I thought you might a go bit, to Ohio but, State a bit. I thought that was a little bit too Homer kind of. Yeah. You know, is what it's it is. Great I thought stadium, the Rose Bowl. Though. The Rose Bowl Stadium oh, too, yeah. The Coliseum maybe. Like yeah. I, I thought about West Coast, but I just think it's always in those locations. So I yeah. think kind of bringing it to to the Midwest, like the Northeast. Sorry, yeah. It's just it'd be fun. I, I I just think it'd be fun. It'd be a ton of fun. We're gonna go now to halftime performer. I think we switch now in a snake draft style. I go now, and then Patrick will get to go again. I'll get for the, the team matchup. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to do an opener headliner duo, and I'm going to have to do a tiny bit of a caveat. We did mention that they had to be alive, but in honor and a bit of, you know, a bit of a loophole here, I'm going to take the killers opening for the Foo Fighters. So Foo Fighters obviously lost Taylor Hawkins this year. I think in honor of them, I'm still going to choose this pick, and I think it would be electric. They did an after show for the Super Bowl, I want to say two years ago, that was better than the halftime show that had gone out there. I think they did 10 or 11 songs. So I think the killers has that, you know, they're a Christian band. It would have that appeal to a large American audience, something that's a bit more marketable. And then you bring out the real rock, you bring out the Foo Fighters who could just light a stadium on fire. So I think that's kind of the direction I'm going with. What do you think? I think that's a fun, that's, that's a fun halftime show. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of good tunes from both those bands. A lot of classic, and recognizable songs ones, right? Everyone's yeah. singing "Mr. Brightside." Everyone's doing those. So, such a good like opener too. You know, I don't think that Killers could do an entire halftime show, but to open with you yeah. know their one or two just classics that that definitely plays. And I mean, the Foo Fighters. That that's not where I was expecting you to go. Really, I, I think it's fun. Uh, you mentioned Taylor Hawkins during their tribute concert. They brought his son out on the drums. And would be a great uh, you know, little ring. There goes my hero, and he was on the drums. So there's kind of your your loophole to yeah. You know, I but that definitely it's plays. A good point. I mean, the, totally. the band is still, I think, in due time. I think they will go back to touring with, I believe, uh, his son on the drums. I could be wrong about that, but I know he performed in the the tribute concert. But well, that's I what I was kind of trying to lead with my thinking here was what are it always feels like the Super Bowl acts are just always a few years off the mark. I think they did better with the weekend when they kind of did grab him right at the peak of how popular he was. But other than that, it always just feels like, you know, that that teacher or something who's just a little late in on the joke, a little few years too late on something. And it always feels like bands that are just past their prime a bit. I feel like that could be said, obviously, for the killers, but with the Foo Fighters, they're still very much in the spotlight. They're still putting out a ton of music, so I think that was kind of where my head was at. What did you have? So you you kind of just called me out a little bit there with that, with that, and with how you know the Super Bowl oh, no. does always seem to be a little bit behind. But my artist, I just think I went artist, not band. Okay, which. I mean, I did think band, but then I was like, you know what? No, I just really want to watch this artist put on a hell of a halftime show. And I don't know how this is going to play, but I'm going with Adele. I'm that going with Adele. Is, that's the kind of outside of the box thinking you need. No, I, I think that plays. I think Adele would put a hell of a halftime show on. She has like 10 to 12 just absolute huge songs that once once again Elters. everyone knows 
You're yeah. singing it. She's got a hell of a voice that can just kind of capture a stadium, which is really what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it would be similar to the ones that we've seen with like Prince, just these huge stars. I mean, I obviously Adele may not be in the Prince conversation, but just similar to like, she's not putting any more new music out right now, but she's still relevant enough and still has that voice where I think she would play well. And I just, I think it would be a fun halftime show. Good, clean, fun too. So, you know, the kids can watch it. It's, I don't know. I'm going with Adele. I don't know how it's going to play, but that's the pick. I think that she would have an audience at her fingertips in a stage like this, where she would have people feeling hopeful. She would bring people to tears like three minutes later. She would get everybody fired up right by the end again. And I think that she would she would be the ultimate play for a TV performance too, right? You can get solo angles on her. It turns into its own thing. If you want to talk about the Super Bowl halftime show becoming its own thing, that that would be it. Yeah, that's what I had in mind. You know, the viewer at home to watch. I think yeah. that's a that's a concert you would watch and it would still play at home where you're just like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's good. That's the type I, of outside the box around. thinking we need. Yeah, I didn't want to go with, you know, I mean... I I did think I was I was think, so that I just had that kind of performer in mind. I wanted a solo rather than a band. Um, right. But if I did do a band, I probably would have gone similar to a Foo Fighters, maybe a Chili Peppers, because they're still relevant. Yeah. They're still putting out music. They're active. I mean, if you go too far deep in the band category, you're you're putting people to sleep because I mean these guys are it's, seventy. It's plus, very true. So yeah, it's, it's I was thinking touchy. yeah. Kicking around Metallica, something like that, but something like that, yeah. You're really kind of it's borderline, on, but I think both. Yeah. I think the Foo Fighters and the Killers definitely play, and they're still young enough. Yeah, where they're like you're you're getting a good show from both those bands still. Totally, yeah. But now you get to lead off with our last category: the ideal team matchup. What do you got? So I just want just got a quick question for this one: Are we picking? Yep just two teams in their current form or are we going back in history and grabbing these teams from like a decade or that's my answer would still probably be the same but i think it would play a little bit better if if i grabbed some historic teams right i think but let's go for historic let's go for historic okay so i'm taking terry bradshaw's steelers against joe montana's 49ers oh boy that's something yeah, def- like the best That's defense of all time hitter. against one of the best offenses of all time. Yep. I just smash mouth football. I just think that would be a hell of a hell of a matchup. Obviously, somehow they'd have to be playing in their current they'd be playing in their in their peak. Not not right now. I mean, Terry Bradshaw strapping on the the helmet right now would be very dangerous, but I, I don't know. That's those are two of the historic franchises that I always think of. Obviously, I do side with the Steelers on a lot of issues, but I've been I love those 49ers uniforms with the gold helmets just it shines under the lights and these two teams always you you see them in primetime a lot and I just think it would match up really well and it would just your viewership would be through the roof with these two teams. Yeah, I think that when you think classic NFC AFC teams, Steelers and 49ers come to mind a lot of the time and I think that that's a matchup where you can't really poke any holes with historically or not historically. Yeah, it, my my answer would have been the same if if I took like you know this like Kenny Pickett against uh, Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson, whoever the hell is playing quarterback for the 49ers. But yeah, if I just th- I thought it'd be a little fun if you if you pick like a specific period of time for your team playing and you're getting that team in their prime, and I just I think it plays more into the kind of like. You're creating your dream Super Bowl. So I just thought it was fun to throw that in there. And yeah, I'm going with the Steelers of the 70s against Montana's Montana and Rice uh, in the 90s, maybe late 80s as well, I believe. 80s, 90s. Yeah. yeah. So those those are the two quarterbacks and those are the two teams. Okay. So I hated to hear that right at at the beginning because the 49ers I also had I'm going to take the 1989 49ers this Joe Montana kind of at the height of his ball at least take Steve Young's team 
I know. I, I don't want to change. I did you? So yeah, it's that that runs into a problem because at first I didn't think we were going to end up kind of picking the same kind of team or year. He had a couple couple of those. We could we could delineate Montana years if we really wanted to get sticky with it. I I could actually like I was going to originally take the the great seventies rivalry of the Steelers and Cowboys. When right. which is you know they just seem to always meet in the Super Bowl and then the Cowboys eventually won them all in the eighties. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll no, I shouldn't play to you. I got, I got, I yeah, got no, no, you're board. right, you're right. I, I have to change. I'll go. I'll take the '94 49ers. That is was that the team. That, yeah, that was the team that had Deion okay. Sanders on it. And oh, that's a fun team. Yeah, he got Defensive Player of the Year. So it, so it was another '80s. Yeah, I'll take the yeah. '80s. You got, you got the '90s. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I'll take the '94. I'll take I'll take the '94 49ers, and on the other side, I'm gonna take the 1984 Miami Dolphins, not the '72 ones, because I want Dan Marino to get a Super Bowl. His 1984 season is one of the most ridiculous seasons in league history. He got MVP that season, 5,084 yards, 48 touchdowns. So. It was just a year where, you know, Dan Marino is really one of those players, especially for Dolphins fans, but or, you know, sometimes only for really Dolphins fans, but especially for people in general thinking about back at quarterbacks who never got the Super Bowl. Right. It's one of those ones where everybody is just kind of it's a shocking omission that Dan Marino doesn't have a Super Bowl. So I'm going to go Dolphins 49ers in that sense of the historical matchup, but I'm also going color matchup. I'm going storylines galore. I'm going historic franchises. It's just the sense I'm getting is that the 49ers are at the heart of a lot of this. Yeah, I think one of the reasons They're I didn't go with the Cowboys for, was, yeah, I just don't like the Cowboys and exactly. I, I enjoy the 49ers. I think they're just a fun team. I, I thought about the Packers, maybe. They're one of those NFC franchises that's quite historic. I did not go there. I, I mean, I knew Marino's squad was coming out for your team, for your Super Bowl. That is one of the best jersey matchups of all time, probably, especially if you're taking their jerseys in those eras. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, similar similar to what you said about mine. I just can't really poke any holes in that. I mean, obviously, I think the Montana team might have been a little more fun than the Steve Young team, but you're still getting a hell of a 49ers team on the other side with uh, – I don't know. Just, just such a fun matchup, and I believe in a, in yours. I'm assuming the Dolphins win, and Marino gets his Super Bowl. They do win. I'll have yeah. you know. Steelers <laughs> win in mine too, <laughs> and that's kind of the way that we all expected this to end with some happy endings. But we got some good boards here, and we thought that would be a bit more, uh, you know, fun of a different thing that you might not see this week during your, you know, regular Super Bowl coverage. But we'll come back to you next with our goal post picks all right welcome back to close out our super bowl special we're gonna do another edition of goal post picks we're also gonna give you our favorite prop bets so those are kind of gonna bleed into each other a bit but we're also gonna have some props aside from that to give to you at the end and we've been going back and forth a bit of how we want to do this but coming from our last bowl post picks I went two and one. Patrick went one and two, which does give me the opening pick today, right, Patrick? Correct. I'm, I I hate I hate to admit that, but it does. I I mean, it was a long time ago, but I don't know what I was thinking in that moment with some of those picks. <laughs> yeah, it's in the past now, but we're gonna do five picks. So we're gonna go back and forth, alternating here, going back and forth of who gets what pick, and. It's really all up for grabs right now. So with the first pick, I'm going to go with what I want to feel like is my strongest prop bet. We'll get to the bit of a, you know, we'll get to some other ones later when we really get down into the nitty gritty here. But I'm going to say we attack the player props first or the the game props. That sound like a good idea. Sounds good to me. I'm following your lead here with your first pick. I, I'm on. I'm on the edge of my seat because I don't know. Because I don't know what pick I'm about to get. I'm pretty all much right, getting the opposite right. of what you're what you're taking here. So, all right, all right. I am going to go right off with 
what I think is my most sure, Miles Sanders over 61 and a half yards. I think that he averaged 75 yards and five. What? 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 what you, what's your face? I was just going to like rushing yards, not like yes. rushing and receiving. Okay. No, rushing, rushing. We're going to go Miles yeah. Sanders over 61 and a half rushing yards, average 75 rushing yards and five yards per carry this season. I think that the lines are undervaluing him a bit in a game where the Eagles are really going to want to establish the run game. And it's kind of been their MO all season. We talked a bit about that earlier. So I think I'm Ryan with Sanders here out top. I feel good about this one. Yeah, I don't feel good about having an under uh, usually in, in anything. So, I mean, Miles Sanders, it's basically I'm, 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 I'm hoping it's a big Gainwell game right now, or, you know, Boston Scott, I'm hoping someone else kind of comes along or maybe Jalen Hurts does the, wait, let me clarify. Am here. I getting the under? I don't think you have to take the opposite end of this pick until we get to some of the other props down the line. I don't want to spoil it here, but I think that player props, you can go anywhere here, but when we get down to the silly game okay. props, that's when we're going to okay. have to go side versus side. So you're not you're not pinned By here, means, but then, I'm running with yes, Sanders. I do kind of yeah. like your pick because I didn't feel good about having an under. Yeah. No, um, no, 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 no. That and I wouldn't you, do that. Like to you said, you. his average. So yeah, I mean, I don't mind that pick. We don't yeah. know what's going to happen, but yeah, I really, I really don't mind that. I can see see where your head was at in that one. And are we doing snake draft for this too? Am I getting two in a row? Or are we going back and forth? We've gone back We're going and forth. Back and right? forth. Back and forth. Back yeah. and forth. Okay. Okay. So this. See, now I'm also going to have to ask you something here. Okay. So Travis Kelsey, yeah, player receptions is at over under six and a half. Right. I would like to take the over. There's an issue yeah. here. It's juiced to, to heavens. It's minus 175. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. If, you, if that's what you're feeling that. confident about, yeah. I think yeah, that once we hitting all year. Like, if we get into like minus 200 area, maybe it's just the line they're giving out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't it's control a line you that. Can really avoid. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they just moved it to seven flat and just, you know, the, the push is in play and I get a better number on it. Cause I think he's going to get more than seven. If I'm, you know, it's a he really just gets line, catches, yeah. man. Yeah. He's just, he's going to get catches super yeah. bowl. Mahomes is going to go to the safety net. And I mean, I, Kelsey should be the guy in the Chiefs offense come Sunday. But, I mean, we'll yep. see. So, Travis no, like Kelsey, that. over six and a half. We're going safe early. We're going safe early. We have to. I'm going to go with a bit of a cheekier pick, but I think it's pretty safe in the context of this. I'm going, will there be a two-point conversion? Yes, for plus 120. I think that in a game like this, with the offenses that are at play, a two-point conversion in today's NFL. I think it's... I think it's just attempt a two point attempt because I had that one uh, written really? down. I have. I saw will there attempt. be a two point conversion? But if there's attempt, I'll take attempt. It. I think I think I think there's attempt okay. at the end because you have the same number I wrote down at plus okay. one twenty. Correct. All right. Yep. Yeah. And so, do so I, I'll take that. So since that's not a player prop, am I gonna have to take the other side of that? No, 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 no. I think that. Okay. I think that you know the two I'm thinking about for later. That we'll we'll have to yes. choose different sides okay. on, so we'll get to okay, those now. Later. Now we're definitely seeing eye to eye here. All right, all right. I like that pick, though. I thank you. I love it, actually. I'm going. Oh goodness, goodness, goodness gracious! I'm going shortest field goal to be over twenty-seven and a half yards, minus one fifteen. Shortest field goal. I think when teams get inside the 10 yard line, they're going for touchdowns and they're going for it on fourth. That's where my head's at. And what's the number? 27 and a half yards? Yep. So like anything that. 10 yards or inside. Interesting. I like your I like your reasoning for it. That's yeah, that's yeah. that's literally no, why I'm going for it. I, I'm not saying this is a guarantee, but that's yeah. where what I was thinking. And why not why not give it out? Because I think it's a fun one. I think it's might be a skewed line, honestly, too. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Another one I'm going to go with here, which I, I could be very wrong with. It's one of those minus 110 ones where you don't really know, but I'm going to take Chiefs to have the longest drive on minus 110. I think the Chiefs offense is one that loves to manufacture long drives, and 
hold on to the ball. So I think that, you know, if the Chiefs get in a late game situation where they have to go from their two yard line and score a touchdown, that'll hit. So I'm going to I'm going to take Chiefs to have the longest drive. I looked at that one and then, like you said, I, it's just too much of a, it's, it's just a coin flip and, you know, yeah. you don't really know what's going to happen. So, yeah, but I, I did kind of lean chiefs looking at that one too. Cause right. I don't really know why, but I just did this, this one that I have here is it's fun. It's fun. What else can I say? Getting a good number. I think on it, Eagles first pass attempt to be incomplete plus plus one eighty five. Wow. I think the nerves are getting to Jalen Hurts. I think I think the first pass he throws, he didn't look great in the San Fran game. I think this is a huge moment for him. And unless it's a screen pass, he if he has to throw it like 10, like I'm just hoping it's downfield and not towards the sidelines. That's the only way I know I'm going to get screwed with it. But that's a great number. Forward, I mean, yeah, plus 185, first, first time in the Super Bowl for him. I don't know. I'm just hoping the moment's big a little. I'm, I'm hoping for early nerves with this pick. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like where your head's at there. Should we be including the lines or like the value with these ones maybe? I just kind of want to – I don't know. I had to bring it up with the Kelsey one. I, I yeah. feel like that's one that I kind of I think in general get, we can know, let them speak the, for the themselves. The thumbs up. Um, but I, this – I didn't need to mention the minus one fifteen. I feel like that one was kind of insignificant. I just do it out of habit. Yeah, I feel I think, like I think they can speak for themselves. People, yeah. people are gonna go and look out yeah. if they want to. Um, but yeah, I like I like that one. So now I'm with my fourth pick here. This is gonna be another player prop, and we saw it in the AFC Championship game. I'm gonna go with MVS Marta. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, anytime touchdown, plus 250. I think this is something that you would bet throughout the season if you saw the line on a game after he had a week like that. So I'm going to kind of let that lead my head. I'm going to kind of lead with experience here too. I think Mahomes likes going to him because he's seen a thing or two. With Tony coming back, Hardman out, you know, the wide receiver room is kind of a bit of a toss-up. And Mahomes is want to wants to throw touchdowns. So I'm going to take that. Yeah. He's, he's coming off a huge game. I, I don't yeah. mind that pick at all. Good number. You're getting him at. Yeah. Um, I'll match your anytime touchdown with Devonta Smith. Anytime at plus plus one seventy five. I think yeah, a lot of the like focus that. is going to go to AJ Brown in this game, uh, leaving Smith with a lot of opportunities to make plays, whether he makes them or not, that's a different story. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, that's that's my Eagles guy that I'm taking anytime. We'll see we'll see what happens, man. I, I, like I don't I, I can't tell the future. <laughs> All right, let's get to what we've been beating around the bush the the whole time here. We both knew that we wanted to get action on the coin toss. And I am going to lead this coin toss pick. It's now my pick. I'm going to go with heads here. I'm not going to go crazy here. You just won on tails back in the build your own Super Bowl. So I like that for my juju going forward. And I'm going to go heads here. So I think that then leads you to take tails, right? Yep. I, I'm a big tails advocate. You're tails a big tails never guy. Fails. Yeah, exactly. I love tails. I, I mean, I don't know if I was ever sent out for any sort of coin toss, especially in, you know, lacrosse or something, always tails every single time. Don't overthink it tails. And I like how both these numbers are at plus money rather than minus one ten. I think, you know, yeah, it just fun. adds a little bit to the, to the funness of the bet. Um, and exactly yeah, heads and tails, who knows? There 50, you go. 50. All right. Your turn now. No, it's you. I took, oh, well, oh I guess, yeah, I guess, sure, I, sure. I, I, I guess it's my turn, but uh, you in, know what, you're right. I should get to go because this. Yeah, yeah, I, I took it for you. Yeah. So we, we've decided we're going to do a little Gato bath action and I'm going to go with my favorite Gatorade. I think it might be the, the player's favorite as well. I'm going with orange to be the color of the Gatorade dumped on the Super Bowl winning coach. Orange Damien? looks great when it gets dumped. Orange does look great. It's I feel like, like a you see full it the most. color. Yeah. And 
I think that orange is also my favorite Gatorade flavor. But I'm going to go with almost maybe the most infuriating bet line, how they list it when they go red slash pink. Who the hell calls it pink Gatorade? I don't know what we're trying to get at there. But I'm going to go with red. There are more flavors in the States than we do. Yeah. I'm going to go with red just because I think it's kind of like last year. Like if the Chiefs win, it's going to be red most likely just because of the Chiefs. And then if Philly wins, you never know. It could be random. Like that's what you always think about those. You always have to have an inkling towards one sort of, you know, grasp of reality. And then you go, oh, well, then it could be anything for the other said line if they win. Exactly. The one that always angers me the most is clear. You know what I yeah. mean? Because they're like, oh, oh I don't want to stay clear. in his clothes or whatever. Like, let's grab the water. Yeah, the I'm water. Like, Come on, man. Get it's just, just give us just give us our money back. If if exactly. it's clear, void void the bets. Come on. We just diversify. Come on. Exactly. So to go over that again, I have Miles Sanders over 61 and a half rushing yards, two point attempt at yeah, sorry, just two point attempt. Chiefs to have the longest drive, MVS, anytime touchdown, heads, and red and pink Gatorade. Patrick has Kelsey over six and a half receptions, shortest field goal being over 27 and a half yards, Eagles first pass attempt incomplete, tails, and orange Gatorade. So those are our picks. That's pretty much all we got for you here with this little Super Bowl special. I got I got to give out all the prop bets. I yeah, sorry, give out all, sorry, I'm, sorry. Our Super Bowl goalpost pick special. Yes. Yeah. But now yeah. we have our our props. Yeah. Let's get into it. So I I think every pick that I'm about to give out, I'm probably gonna at least sprinkle. So take that for what it's worth. But I'll at least be in the in the war with you. You won't be alone. I'm not just giving these out just for you to take them and lose money. Don't worry. So I have tails, orange Gatorade, like we mentioned. I took the the game to be decided by three points at plus 425. I think it's going to be a a close game. I think it's going to come down to one of those last minute field goals. I have both teams to make a field goal 34 yards or more. uh, Minus 115, shortest field goal over 27 and a half. We mentioned Eagles first pass time to be incomplete. I have first play of the game to be a run minus 130. It's kind of a coward pick, but we're, we're playing it. Under seven and a half punts, minus 150. I want fun. Opening kickoff to be a touchback, minus 150. Now we're getting into a little bit like long shots here. Frank Clark for sack, plus 1,000. I also, for the Eagle side, I took Josh Sweat to have the first sack, plus 1,200. So hopefully one of those two get it. You make money. Took yours to be there to be a two-point conversion attempt, plus 120. Travis Kelsey, two plus TDs, plus 375. Miles Sanders, two plus TDs, plus 475. Devonta Smith, anytime, plus 175. Parlaying the Kelsey over six and a half receptions with him anytime at plus 145. Kadarius Tony to get the first Chiefs reception, plus 800. Largest lead of the game, under 14 and a half, minus 130. And we're finishing it off with Chiefs money line. Let's go, baby. Let's go. One beer. Two beers, three beers, a shot of whiskey, a margarita, and a bloody Mary. Yeah, that was a crazy list of props. I'm going to have to put a stone cold line in there somewhere. What? What? But I think that there were some gems in there for sure. I love that game decided by three points. I think I'm going to add one quick one here. I had Boston Scott anytime at plus 350. I think that's great value for him. He kind of is a a bit of a, you know, a screwdriver in these situations. You know, he just kind of gets in there for those, you know, short yardage touchdowns. So I like Boston Scott there. But damn, that was a good laundry list. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I just, you know, picked the first ones I saw. I I went through the list and I've been going through them kind of for a couple of days now. And these are the ones I haven't bet anything yet. So, I mean, I guess some might be subject to change, but for the most part, this is what my card will look like on Sunday. Right on. And oh, I think that's oh, a good one more. Actually, I, we don't have a line on it, but I'm going under in Chris Stapleton national anthem. Not, yep. not much of a showman, just kind of a 
get it done, beautiful voice, get straight to the point kind of guy. Yeah, I'm excited for that, actually. And I didn't mention beautiful. it. I'm also on the Chiefs money line. I We, we didn't go into that area for the picks because we were going to be on the same side, but experience Patrick Mahomes. I'm going with the chiefs every time here. I'm it's very similar to an Alabama and a national championship play. You don't make the stupid pick. You don't bet against Mahomes and Andy Reid. I'm taking the chiefs one plus one and a half. I'm taking a money line. I'll probably sprinkle them on the alternate line and that's the way it's going to be done. So I think that does it really for our super bowl special here. Hope you enjoyed a bit of a fun one today and I hope we got you ready for the Super Bowl. I think we're all fired up here. Let's enjoy a good one. The week's been going on for way too long. It's the light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone's getting excited. Enjoy your parties. Have a couple drinks. Have some food. Just have fun and watch some great football, hopefully. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. See you, Patrick. See you, Damien.